one of these great qualities. Now, the uh, it's important for us to understand that the fruit of the Spirit is really uh, a portrait of our God. The fruit of the Spirit is a portrait of God. This is like what this is what Jesus is like. Jesus, Jesus' life was marked by love and joy and peace and patience, etc. That, in fact, what theologians would call theologians would call uh, these attributes of God his communicable attributes. See, there's some attributes of God that uh, he that as we get to know God, that we actually become more and more like him. They're communicable, like a communicable disease, like unfortunately COVID-19, right, is a communicable disease. Uh, it's contagious. These are the attributes of God that are contagious to us. There's other attributes of God that that are not communicable. They're the incommunicable attributes of God. So you can try all you want. You can spend as much time with God as you like. You're never going to be omnipresent. Not in heaven. You're not going to be all everywhere present at the same time. You're not going to be omniscient. You're not going to know all things. You're never going to be all powerful. And so there's parts of, there's attributes of God that theologians call incommunicable attributes, attributes that of God that that remain his and that actually we don't catch from him. But there's other attributes of God that are contagious, the communicable attributes of God, and that's what the fruit of the Spirit is, is that as we cooperate with the Holy Spirit in our hearts, in our lives, in our actions, that actually we become more and more like Jesus. We become more and more like God. And we, his attributes, these attributes are actually contagious in our lives. And so, this morning, we're going to be looking at the fruit of the Spirit is agape, is love. And we're doing that right in, in a culture. We're doing this in a culture of selfishness. Our culture is really a culture that is marked with selfishness. And I'm not sure why my clicker's not working. I may need you guys to actually do that for me now. Sorry about that. Try to try to walk with me here, uh, Josh, uh, maybe th- through these slides. So we, we live in a culture of selfishness, a focus on what I want, where we think about what I can take from others as opposed to what I can give to others. Now, I'm not sure what you think of when you think about the end times, the last days. Uh, if you were like me and you grew up in the 80s and maybe the early 90s, the, the church of Jesus was really focused on, you know, these apocalyptic uh scenes of what the end times are going to be like. But listen to what Second Timothy chapter 3 uh, says about the end times. It says this. Uh, we both did it, Josh. It's working for me now. Uh, Paul writes this in Second Timothy 3, but know this, hard times will come in the last days. Here's what the last days are going to be like. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, proud, demeaning, disobedient to parents, Listen to that there, Bane boys. Ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, without love for what is good, traitors, reckless, conceited, 
lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to the form of godliness but denying its power. Avoid these people. Paul's saying this is what the last times are going to be like. And really what he's saying is that's what that's we live in the last days, the time from the time of Jesus ascension to uh, his return. That in between period are the last days, the last age. Uh, we're living in those days. And, and it's how much of this is just lovers of self. And really, how does how do they express their love of self? All of the rest of this list. Right where we seek my own good. I'm just in it for myself. And now, the um, coronavirus crisis has just revealed that in so many ways. You maybe saw a, a sneak peek of what's coming next. But did you see this guy on the news? Did you see this guy uh, on the news? He's one of the spring breakers. I think he's in Miami. And he's interviewed. And, and he's like, I don't care if I get coronavirus. I'm here to party. It's not going to keep me from partying. He says, I've planned this trip for months. So why should I have to give up my spring break plans that I've planned for months? I've been looking forward to this for months. Now, I don't mean to pile on this guy because, frankly, our culture has piled on him sufficiently. But it's really just the instinct that has been... uh, carefully cultivated in him from the time that he was a little bitty baby is follow your heart, man. You do you. Fall, you know, don't let anyone get in the way of your life. You live your life. Lest we think that's too far from home. Here's the scene at Queens Park yesterday. Isolate if you want. Freedom is my choice. And I don't know if you can see that, Eric. Is that you, Eric Dick, right there? Green Bay Packer fan. Obviously, the Green Bay Packer fans are there. But uh, isolate if you want. I don't care if I get it. And I don't care if I give it to you. I want to go out to restaurants. I want to go to a movie. It's my choice. Don't get in the way of my choice. Now, We're not quite as brash as our neighbors to the south, but this was a sign at a similar protest in Nashville this week. It really just gets at the heart of it. They stripped away all of the uh, the pretense of like, oh, it's freedom, my choice. Here, here it is. You can see this in a screen grab from a news reporter. Sacrifice the weak. Reopen Tennessee. Sacrifice the weak. Let me get my KFC, and if some old people die because of it, if some weak people die, oh well, at least it's not me, right? Whereas Christians, followers of Jesus, we're at our best when it's like, when we protect the vulnerable, when we serve the weak, when we protect those who are weaker among us, when we love them sacrificially. Now, it's usually not so blatant as this, this culture of selfishness. But it, it's there in a, you live your truth, man. You do you. Live your life. Do what's right for you. Be true to yourself. Follow your heart. You can do anything you want. Right? That's the culture that we live in. That's just, which is, Breeding a selfishness, a self-centeredness in the very core of our hearts. 
It, it cultivates this instinct among us that do whatever it takes to get whatever you want. And this crisis really has revealed that this is an unsustainable and unworkable way to live. Because this crisis is calling us to deny ourselves for a time so that we can protect the most vulnerable among us. To deny ourselves for the greater good. But the fruit of the Spirit is agape. Let's, the fruit of the Spirit is agape, is love. I, I, I'm intentionally using the word agape this morning because uh, many of us know this, and C.S. Lewis has a great book called The Four Loves, where he says, you know, in Greek, the Greek language, they had not just one word for love like we do in English. They had four words for love. And there's, there's different kinds of, of love. And um, he says the, 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 and, and throughout the New Testament, consistently, when it talks about God's love, it uses this Greek word agape. Agape, love, which is translated as love for us, but it, it, it's, it's more than just romantic and warm, fuzzy feelings. It's more than just like your, how you love your friends or um, how you love your mate or how you love your partner or, you know, or how you love ice cream, right? It's this love that is God's love. And so I want to just look for a moment at what is the character of agape? What is agape like according to the New Testament? And one of the great... Um, passages in the New Testament the, the, is, the, is written by the Apostle John, Jesus' best friend. The John who always referred to himself as the Apostle Jesus loved. He, he always refers to himself in his gospel as the Apostle, as the, as the disciple Jesus agaped. Jesus loved me. That's, that's who I am. And he writes so profoundly about love. But listen, so here's just one example of his writing on love. In 1 John chapter 4, Dear friends, let us agape one another, because agape is from God. And everyone who agapes has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not agape does not know God, because God is agape. God is love. God's agape was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. Agape consists in this, not that we agape God, but that he agape us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, if God agape us in this way, we also must agape one another. No one has ever seen God. If we agape one another, God remains in us and his agape is made complete in us. This is how we know that we remain in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. And we have come to know and to believe the agape that God has for us. God is agape. And the one who remains in agape remains in God. And God remains in him. And so what is the characteristics of agape? Agape is undeserved. It's of grace. It is of grace. We, there's nothing we can do to earn God's agape, to earn his love. He loves us because he has set his love on us. He's, he loves us because he has chosen to love us. It's undeserved. It's unmerited. It's of grace. It is by grace you have been saved. Not of work, so that no one can boast. Ephesians 2, 
says. God's agape is steadfast. It's unchangeable. It's unshakable. It's because it's undeserved, because there's nothing you can do to keep God from loving you, there's nothing you can do to stop Him from loving you. No matter what you do, He will keep on loving you. Nothing, not even your sin, not even your worst moments can keep God from loving you. Nothing can separate you from God's love. That's in Christ Jesus, our Lord. It's steadfast. It's unchanging. It's unshakable. It's unmovable. It's relentless. It's pursuing. It just never stops up. It never gives up. It's always and forever love. It's steadfast and it's suffering love. God demonstrated his agape among us by sending his one and only son. And his, his death was the atoning sacrifice, First John 4 says. He, he demonstrates his love by, by sacrificing for us, by suffering for our sin. It gives of oneself. Agape gives of the self in order to love the other. It's suffering and sacrificial. It's unbounded. God loved us while we were enemies. While we were still sinners, Jesus loved us and gave himself for us. While we were still sinners. And Jesus says to, uh, to us, agape your enemies. Love your enemies. Whatever boundaries of love human culture has created, whoever it is you're not supposed to love because they're unworthy of your love, love them anyway. No matter what they've done to you, no matter what race they're of, no matter what religion they're of, no matter what sexual orientation they're of, love them, agape, serve them, sacrifice for them. They don't have to earn your love. His love is unbounded. And His love is always directed towards others. His love is an others-centered love. It focuses on the other. It gives of the self in order to serve the other. See, the agape of God is so beautiful. Isn't it so beautiful? Isn't it like so attractive? And you're like, man, if I could find someone whose love I don't have to earn, who, whose love is, is, is reliable and steadfast, whose love, you know, sacrifices of themselves for me, whose, whose love is unbounded. He loves all kinds of people or she loves all kinds of people. Man, if, if I could find someone who loves like that, wow, I, I'd spend my whole life with them. Friends, that's what the scriptures tell us. That's what the love of God is like. God is agape. At the very center of who he is, is this kind of love. Agape love. And our text today tells us the fruit of the Spirit in your life is agape. That when the Spirit of God has control in your heart and is free to do his will, when the Spirit of God takes up residence in you, what happens, what flows out of your life is agape. Is this unrelenting love of others? As when you sacrifice yourself for others, giving of yourself for others, centering your life around the well-being and goodness of others. Concern for others at cost to yourself. Now, we want to call, right? Who doesn't want to be a person characterized like that? Who doesn't want to be that kind of a person? But often there's, there's counterfeit fruit in our life. There's plastic fruit, right? 
No one wants to take a bite of a plastic apple. But, but often there is a, there's a, what will live in such a way is that we, we appear to be agape kind of people, loving kind of people, but really what's at the heart of it is this self-interest or, you know, the psychologists today talk about enlightened self-interest. That, that, you know, and, and, and really that's the counterfeit for love in our culture is to realize that if, if you live a certain way, it's actually better for you. If you live in a certain way is that it appears that you're loving other people with agape, you're, it's actually good for you and your own well-being. And it's, it's insidious. It, it, it sneaks into our hearts. It sneaks into our hearts. So you might be, you know, you know, spending time with other people and you love to give lots of time to other people, but really you're doing it because of how they make you feel. You can use other people for your own well-being, for your own sense of self, for your own sense of love, of being loved, of how they make you feel. You may ask others, hey, how are you doing? Really, just deep down hoping they're not going to ask you how you're doing because you have something you want to share with them. It's, it's, it's in how we, it shows itself sometimes in how we contract relationships. That as long as you meet my needs, if we're living in such a way um, that you meet my needs, then I then then I you know our relationship can continue. But how can you embody other-centered love when you see others as needing to meet your own needs? See, it's a, it's a contradiction in terms, but. But so often that's how we, we think of others, right? Is I'll be your friend so long as you meet my needs. And if we're honest, sometimes we think of church that way even. That we, we consider the church that we belong to, the family we belong to, the faith family we belong to as a consumer choice. And so what you often, what appears to be giving and loving actions, if they're not reciprocated, if I'm, if you're not existing, if the church isn't existing to meet my needs of feeling connected, community, like loved, I'm out of here. And it's it's insidious. It, what, often, what can look like loving actions are are really just under just under below the surface is a is a self interest. I'll show concern for others so long as they also show show an equal amount of concern for me. How many of our good deeds are done so that we can, you know, do it for the gram, as the, as the kids say these days, right? You're doing it so that you can post it on social media and show others how much of a good person you are, right? You're, you're doing these good deeds and you just can't wait to tell others about what you've done so that they will think highly of you as well. And so these, you know, this good deed is done with a, uh, just under the surface, this self interest of my reputation well this is really good for my reputation my image this is the kind of image i want to protect project to the world it's how every company right now if you watch any tv right now every company is putting out an ad describing what they are doing to uh, to help first responders and to help frontline workers and how they are giving of themselves because they want you to know that Ford Motor Company or 
uh, Volvo or whoever, they're doing this out of the goodness of their heart so that when it's time for you to buy again, you're going to give to this company that's, you know, buy from this company that's done such good. And friends, I've even, we've, the church is not, the church of Jesus is not, you know, um, immune from this. Right? You know, so I've seen some stuff. I've seen some stuff online. It's like churches doing stuff, but it's like, you know, thanking frontline workers, but it's the church's name that's like big and then a little thank you on the bottom. It's like, are we doing this for our own reputation or are we doing this out of the goodness of our heart to, to serve, to truly serve? And so Cornerstone, let's not be so concerned with our brand, our reputation. Let's be concerned by, okay, the fruit of the Spirit, Holy Spirit, what do you want to do in my life? And not be concerned about how this is going to appear for us and what the, getting the credit we deserve and all of that. How can we serve others? How can we serve? How can we serve? The counterfeit fruit, like, can show up, like, in generosity in times of abundance, right? We can, generosity is not tested in times of abundance. The, the, the level of our generosity is not tested when times are good and easy and we've got tons of money, relatively speaking, and all of our needs are met and, and pretty much all of our luxuries are met and now I'm gonna give. Our generosity is going to be tested in, in times of, of lack. As soon as my luxuries are threatened, do we start to hoard? Do we start to hoard? Do we start to just cut off all generosity when, when there's at least, when there's any uncertainty surrounding our finances? And I'm not talking about giving to the church. I'm not, I'm just saying what, how are we how are we living out generosity even in times of uncertainty even at times when it might imperil when it actually costs us something because God's agape is costly it's sacrificial and so it leads to the question is agape a gift to be received or is it a discipline to act out of. And the good news, maybe, but I think it is, is good. the good news is that it's both. Romans 5 says that, you know, God's spirit has poured out agape into our hearts. Romans 5 verse 5 says that he's poured out, a, that God's love has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit that he's given to us. God's love is poured out freely by God's grace, is poured out into us. But in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1, which should remind you of something. What's right before 1 Corinthians 14? 1 Corinthians 13, right. Good, you can count. 1 Corinthians 13 is the agape chapter, the love chapter. Love is patient, love is kind. Love bears no records of wrong. The greatest of these is love, right? The greatest of these is agape. What comes right after 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, is pursue love. Pursue agape. And so love, agape, is something to be cultivated because it's a fruit. It's a fruit, so we have to cultivate agape. You know, when you, if you're a farmer or if you're a, if you have a garden and you want a, a vegetable patch or whatever, and you want to grow something, if you want to grow weeds, all you have to do is nothing. But if you want to produce fruit, it takes some cultivation. And yet, 
it's a gift because really the life source, the the power is something is beyond your control. The sunshine and the rain and the 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 process of taking nourishment from roots up through stems and making flowers and buds and actually something that's produce and eatable. That's beyond your control. That's the gift. And so it's both. It is to be cultivated. And how, so how do we cultivate agape in our lives? And the first, just, I have two, two points under this. And then we're done. Finally. Uh, is, first of all, go to the source. Go to the source of agape. Because it's contagious after all. Right? It's, it's, it's a communicable attribute. And so if you want to be like Jesus, don't spend as much effort just trying to be like Him. Spend time with Him. Spend time with Him. He'll rub off on you. By His Spirit. He'll rub off on you. You need to be with Him. It's one thing to know in your head that God is love. And that God is loving. It's a whole other thing to spend time in His presence. And allow that truth to to sink into your heart. And to wash over you. To soak in His presence. And to allow His love to fill your heart. To allow the Holy Spirit to pour out the love of God. The agape of God into your heart. That's how you're changed. As we sit in his presence and allow these truths to sink in deep. That he's really, truly loved me like this. Jesus describes it like this in John chapter 15. He says, I am the vine. You're the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit. Because you can do nothing without me. As the father has agaped me, I have also agaped you. Remain in my agape. If you keep my commands, you'll remain in my agape, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His agape. I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. No one has greater agape than this to lay down his life for his friends. Speaking of himself. And so your job is to remain in His love. When some translations will, will, will say, abide, abide in my agape, remain in me, be connected to me, like a branch is connected to the vine, so the life source, which is the Holy Spirit, will flow from the roots, taking nourishment and water and nutrients and all the, whatever it needs, and by His power, bringing life to the branches, so the branches will bear fruit for the good of other people. Right? That's what fruit is for. The, the, the plant doesn't eat the fruit. The sweet fruit is eaten by others. So remain in his love. Don't remain in your love for him. Don't re- remain in, in how you feel about his love. One pastor uh, I listened to on this topic says, we are the insecure partner here. Between us and God, we're the insecure partner always saying, do you love me? Do you love me? Show me that you love me. Oh, I don't know if you love me. We're the insecure partner. His love is relentless and constant, incessant and unrelenting. Abide in his love. And so as the external pressure is kind of pressed onto us here in this crisis, where have your roots gone? Where have you gone looking for love? And as the Holy Spirit illuminates your heart and shines a light into a new corner of your heart where the flesh still goes, a new moment of selfishness. Repent and turn back and receive His love again and believe that His love is true. Believe that His love is true. I've referenced this passage a couple times. 
This hope will not disappoint us because God's agape has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. For while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. That's you and I. But God proves his own agape for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So believe in this and trust in this. As Paul prays in Ephesians 3, he he prays, I pray that you would be rooted and firmly established in agape, that you may be able to comprehend together with all the saints what is the length and width, height and depth of God's agape, to know Christ's agape that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. You see, friends, we need to pray that this would be the, the most, that we'd trust in that this is the most true thing about us, that I'm agape by Jesus. That I would know that his love is massive, that it's unending, that it's wide and high and long and deep, that we'd be, have strength, that our hearts would be strengthened to understand his love, that his love for us would become the most true thing about us. So are you thirsty for love today? Are you thirsty for love? Jesus says, if anyone's thirsty, let him come to me and drink. The one who believes in me, as the scripture has said, will have streams of living water flow from deep within him. He said this about the Spirit. You see, God wants to pour out his agape into your heart by the Holy Spirit, whom he is ready to give to you today. And friends, Luke 11 says that if you ask the Father for the Holy Spirit, he will give him to you. And when God gives you His Spirit, He just pours His agape into your heart and you're changed by it as you understand that God's agape for you is undeserved and unrelenting and unbounded and unceasing. And it's always directed for your good and it's sacrificial that Jesus has proven His agape for you and that while you were still a rebel, while you were still at war with God, having declared independence from Him and fired the first shot, that He died for you. He died for your sins to demonstrate His agape. To demonstrate that His love for you is unshakable and unending. That His love for you is from everlasting to everlasting. That there's nothing you can ever do to earn His love and there's nothing you can ever do to keep Him from loving you. That you can't make Him start loving you and you can't make Him stop loving you. His love for you is eternal and it's infinite. It's unending and it's unshakable. And so this morning... Give your heart to Jesus and come to the Father and say, Father, fill me with your agape. And I'm thirsty for love. I need to receive love today. I need to receive agape today. And I can say, based on the the promise of God's perfect word, that he will give you the Spirit and he will pour out his agape into your life and you will never be the same. And he'll start a process that's going to last the rest of your life as you learn to become more and more like him and you'll become a person who's characterized by agape. Not for your glory, but for his. Because he's the source. And so how do you cultivate agape in your life? How do you cultivate the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of love in your life? You go to the source of love. There's no other place to get it, friends. You don't look deep within and try to muster up some some strength and some resolve to become loving people. No, we go to the source, and the source is God, the Father, through the work of Jesus, by the power of the Spirit, 
whom he has given to us. So we go to the source. And here's the truth. Here's the truth. Um, I don't I don't think many of us or, or any of us really are, are what we would classify as independently wealthy. You know, there's most of us, I think all of us probably, unless I don't know something about you, but um, most days we have to work. We there's there's limits to the time that we can give to other people because at the end of the day, at some part in our day, we have to generate some income for ourselves in order to meet our needs and show generosity to others. And so we're not independently wealthy. And so there's a limit to how much um, time and money we can give. Right? There's needs that I see in the world, say financial needs, that I would love to just write a check to meet that need. But that that need is is at a whole other class of level that I can't meet that need by myself. Because... So I'm not independently wealthy. There's limits to how much I can give. And so often we think about our love in that same kind of way. There's a limit to how much love I can give because I need to receive as much as I give. I have needs too, you know. Right? We say that. I have needs too. And we feel like... um, And so it's that contracting of relationships, right? I need to receive as much from you as I give to you or else my well of love is going to run dry. You need to fill my love well, the well of my love. But that's not the source of our love, other people. The source of our love ultimately is from the Father. You are independently wealthy in love. You have an inexhaustible source of love that you can go to over and over and over again so that no matter what other people may say or do or think, you can know that you're loved, that you're valuable, that you're, that you're, you're worthy, that, you're, um, that, you, that you matter. And so we don't have to live like we're homeless. Like we have no love. No one loves me. The Father loves you. The Father loves you. And we don't have to hoard our love thinking that we might run out because we have an inexhaustible well to go back to over and over and over again. And yes, it's true that, don't write in the comments, I know it's true that often God's love is expressed to us through other people. Yes. Yes and amen. But but you're not limited to receiving God's love through other people. You can go directly to the source. And he's going to pour out the Holy Spirit in your heart so that you can know that you're loved. And so that you actually can become independently wealthy in love. And so how do we cultivate love? We look to the model. We look at the model of love who is the Lord Jesus himself. That as we drink deeply from God's love, we can actually begin to flow freely in love. Jesus is not only the source, he's also the model of love by giving himself on the cross. The cross of Jesus is the demonstration of God's love. And this is love in action. 
giving of yourself. I love Mother Teresa's quote. You've probably heard this before, but Mother Teresa said, not all of us can do great things, but we can all do small things with great love. Not all of us can do great things, but we can all do small things with great love. We Sometimes we think, I need to do something heroic. I need to do something great. We want something dramatic. But Jesus says love is offering a cup of cold water in his name. Small acts done with great love. That's what changes the world. That's what changes the world. More than the great, demonstrative, dramatic, great and heroic acts are the small acts. And you know one of the great ways in which we can serve our community at this time and demonstrate and love them well, and it's going to be totally hidden, is by prayer. That we can be a people of prayer calling for God's activity on the behalf of our community. So I'd invite you to sign up for continuous prayer to continue to be a link in a chain that covers Niagara in prayer. And we can create webs of love. Here's the truth. Not one of us can call and and make sure that everyone in our church family receives a phone call checking in on them to to demonstrate love and care for them this week. I I do not have enough hours in my day to do that. Neither do you. None of us do. None of us can have enough resources to call everyone in our church family this week and spend some time and demonstrate care and love for them. But you can call a couple people a day. And you can you can do the small acts with great love. And make a pick up the phone as a, even as a discipline to cultivate it twice a day. Don't count how many phone calls you receive. Pick up the phone and call someone. How are you doing? How can I love you? How can I pray for you? Is there anything you need? Can I get you some groceries? All of us can do that. We can create a web of love, a a web of agape that, that is all around us. And so we can demonstrate to this world that we are disciples of Jesus by how we love one another. By this, the world will know that you are my disciples, that you agape one another. So would you pray with me? Father in heaven, fill our hearts with your agape today so that we would know you and that we would know the inexhaustible resource of your love that's available to us by your spirit. So fill us with your love as we put our trust in you. Father, we want to be more like you. We want to be like Jesus. So pour out your spirit on us to accomplish your will. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.